That's our breaking news. Yeah, we have some breaking news. This from from CBS. Um, CBS News has obtained data from a laptop purported to have belonged to Hunter Biden. The data came directly from the source who said they provided it to the FBI under subpoena. CBS shares what they found during an independent forensic review. No. Is this a new laptop? Different one from the (laughs) one found right before the election? uh, Reported election Joe Biden. Is your mic on? Is this a different laptop? (laughs) There is now my mic's on. Now your mic's on. No, this is the same laptop, and their conclusions, they concluded that the laptop is indeed real. So I want to congratulate CBS on this scoop, this this scoop of finding out that this This, Hunter Biden laptop is real. This is not a different laptop, not a new laptop. This is the same one that was found right before the purported election of Joe Biden in 2020. Yes. CBS Today on... They found it. November How did they 21st, 2022. Did the FBI drop it off at their offices? Is it making the rounds? Maybe. Maybe it's like, it's like the Stanley Cup. Everybody gets a week with it. I don't know. But I just wanted to congratulate CBS on this. Was it their first tweet after their self-imposed Twitter I think the first tweet was them saying that they're We're gonna tweeting tweet again. again. <laughs> We're going to tweet again. Okay, <laughs> hey, what was the story on that? R- bring the listeners up to speed. Well, okay, let me see. By if the I way, just... welcome to the Mind Virus podcast. Find us on the web at mindvirus.show. It is Thanksgiving week. I am Jordan Bruno, and across the table from me, I'm Bobby Flood. And we are having a conversation. Once yes. again, unscripted, a impromptu. dangerous. More, more impromptu than normal. A dangerous conversation. Dangerous thing to do in today's day and age. Well, so... And it will be recorded forever and publicly posted, not just archived on the NSA servers in Bluffdale, Utah, for future. Right. We, we are putting it all out there so that everyone knows our opinions are what they are <laughs> different than perhaps different than what the mainstream news the uh, the legacy news the old media would have you believe yeah so cbs cbs is run has just this, this they're on this roll right now and a, a couple days ago today's monday by the way november 21st i don't know if you mentioned that but when you said it's thanksgiving week but it is monday november 21st 2022 and a few days ago, CBS announced that they will be suspending all Twitter activity due to uncertainty under Elon Musk's leadership. And they got rightfully roasted for, uh, for their <laughs> Twitter pause. Signalization of virtue. And then they... The pearl clutching. Oh! Oh! <laughs> and then Elon think, Musk! 
just, free speech. Just yesterday, we I believe. We shall not participate. Yesterday said, after pausing for much of the weekend to assess the security concerns, CBS News and stations is resuming its activity on Twitter as we continue to monitor the situation. And the first reply is Elon Musk with a little emoji of a hand over a mouth, like someone giggling. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a couple key phrases in here that are very interesting. After pausing for much of the weekend to assess the security concerns, which concerns are those nobody really knows, and then they are continuing to monitor the situation. So I think in, in the minds of CBS or whoever's controlling this little Twitter account that free speech is a security concern and a situation. Right. Uh, I would like to inform the folks at CBS that we're all monitoring the situation now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Independent of you. And CBS, you're part of the situation. Also over the weekend, uh, Elon Musk held a Twitter poll. You can, anybody on Twitter can post a poll. And he, including he, Elon Musk, including the owner of Twitter, Elon Musk, and he tweeted a poll saying, "Should I reinstate Donald Trump?" And more than fifteen million people voted on this Twitter poll. What was the? I, it's not scientific, right? But what's the outcome? Was it like sixty forty, thirty seventy? It was fifty two forty eight in favor of reinstating tr- President Trump's Twitter account, and so tw- Elon Musk reactivated. He only got fifty two percent of the vote on Twitter. Yeah. Well, remember. Twitter spent the last five years banning everybody that was conservative, so he only got fifty-two percent on that platform. Right, but also remember that Twitter is is a home; it's like a hive for all the free speech enemies out there. They love right. Twitter because it well, was. It was they, I think a lot of them got deleted, fired. Well, I'm just saying the users. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And and so, what about all the robots? What about the bots? <laughs> Yeah, the, how the, many bots voted for uh, good Joe question, Biden? Good, in that? good question. Was there a third choice? Vote Joe Biden. Vote good, f- Fetterman. But, but I vote for I vote for toilet paper. So President Trump's account has been reinstated. Now, President, former President Trump, has not tweeted yet, but it sparked this ridiculous. Why does everyone have to say former president? They don't well, he say is former, the former President Jimmy Carter, yeah, former well, President yeah, they Richard do. Nixon. Sometimes they do. Former and future President Trump. You think he's a future president? Well, they wrote a book about him. It's called The Once and Future King. The Once and Future President. No, I don't. I don't think Trump will win again. But the reinstatement of his account has sparked. You know, it's triggered all of the communists, fascist dictators, the anti-free the speech yeah, people, the talking about how dangerous things are. This was what why this was what CBS was reacting to, right? The the, the situation was the situation, and then and you have this again, this debate raging about free speech on Twitter, and it's fairly interesting because it's like the pandemic, it's revealing people's true colors, and you realize how many people in this country really hate freedom. It really hate, even, even Elon Musk, someone said, okay, now do Alex Jones, and he was like, no, nobody who stands on the graves of dead children for gain and profit will ever 
have mercy from me or something. And I'm thinking, well, by that standard, not a single, not a single news corporation should have a Twitter account because they all stand on the graves of dead kids for gain and profit. That's what Musk said about Jones. Yeah. Does he, so he hasn't gotten the, well, he's, he's, he's going with the generally accepted narrative on that, obviously. Right. So very, very obviously he's, for him to say that about Alex Jones shows that he is in, um, in a certain camp, shall we say. He said, this is Elon Musk. My firstborn child died in my arms. I felt his last heartbeat. I have no mercy for anyone who would use the deaths of children for gain, politics, or fame. So he, yes, yeah, so what I'm saying is he, he's very clearly, he, he probably knows. I can't, I can't imagine that a guy like that doesn't understand what's actually happened to Alex Jones. Right. Because he's got access to information you know, we could only dream of, I'm sure. He's probably paid for all kinds of uh, reality type of information. And he, he's a master of manipulating the, the false reality, right? Saying one thing, running a poll, selling his, selling his shares in a, in a period of market strength, and then laughing at him, laughing at the investors when Tesla stock tanks, you know, not, not necessarily laughing, but not publicly. But sometimes it's public. Yeah. Yeah, but, but he's done that multiple times where he's he's uh, bought do- something like Dogecoin or Bitcoin and then gone out and publicized it afterwards saying, what a great idea. I think I'm going to buy it. Yeah. Then everybody buys it and he sells into that rally yeah, he's, to raise cash. He's very he's good. He's masterful at manipulation. He's, he's very good opinion. at playing things into his advantage. Right. For him to not understand what happened to Alex Jones is... Um, an absurdity beyond belief. So what's gone on there is it's very clear that he is not a friend of truth or freedom. Just from that one <clears throat> statement alone. I'm, I'm basing, right. I am jumping to a conclusion. <laughs> well, it's not a big jump because again, what Alex Jones did falls well under the umbrella of legal free speech. Yeah, it wasn't even near defamation. He didn't name any names. People have accused him of harassing the parents right. of dead kids, which he did no such thing. Right, and it's very clear from his courts, it, court trials, if you watched any of it, that it was a kangaroo court. They, they wouldn't even let him say he was innocent. They right. were going to uh, hold him in contempt for perjury had he even testified in his own behalf. They, they, uh, <laughs> I didn't watch a ton of the trial, but I watched enough. I saw enough of the highlights to go, okay, this is, this is America now. You know, well, yeah, and the biggest threat to America, if you're one of these types of people, is the disinformation. Now, what exactly is disinformation or misinformation or conspiracy theories or lies? Nobody's quite sure. No, I am. It's what they don't. It's like. whatever's inconvenient at yeah. the moment, which it's is why they, now, yeah. literally two two years later. CBS can say, oh, the laptop was real. We've obtained information that confirms the laptop is real. Yeah, I kind of forgot that that's where we started. That is beyond the pale crazy to, to right now have CBS come out and make that type of a statement. Did they even mention that it was found before the election? I didn't read the article. but Nobody no, read not, the article. Not, not, in, not in their... In their their headlines, their tweets. No, of course not. I mean, this has been out here. This laptop has been 
known to be real since the moment the New York Post was censored for breaking the story back in October 2020. And Twitter, Twitter uh, famously blocked the story. Facebook blocked the story. The regime media said it was misinformation, Russian disinformation, of course. See, I just found a, a story from 2020. October 2020 that says what we know and what we don't know about Hunter Biden's alleged laptop. And who published this story? CBS News. Okay, yeah. So See, they, alleged. They don't even remember that they they published it? it I searched for CBS finds Hunter Biden laptop finally. What's the what's the headline? The recent one? Yeah, the one that they're breathlessly proclaiming that it is real. Well, let me find it again. But basically, it's like we we obtained secret information, and we have concluded that the laptop is indeed real. CBS News has obtained data from a laptop purported to have belonged to Hunter Biden. Is it a tweet or a headline? This is a tweet. Oh, I don't do the tweet thing. The Twitters. And uh, there's a there's <laughs> they're getting just ripped apart. In the in the comments and the replies, which they should, because the, you know this was this was ridiculous. This story is more than two years old and has some really some really important uh, information, and they knew it was bad. They knew that it could swing the election, and so they buried it. And let's imagine a world where Russia did interfere with. American elections. How is that any different than Americans interfering in American elections? Because that's what happened. We saw it right in front of our faces. All of the news outlets that squelched this story and that that censored people sharing it on social media that lied and said, "Oh, it's it's not real. It's is all disinformation." That was in, that was election interference. They did what they accused. What they're accusing Russia of doing. And we're all just supposed to say that's all right and just go along with it? It's okay when we do it? Our propaganda is not actually propaganda? Well, we're in a lot of trouble when it comes to free speech. Really, we are. No, really, we are. Yeah. And we have to start, we as individuals and people and groups, of, we need to start standing up free speech otherwise it's it's going to be gone forever i think we're going to need to start standing up for free elections free a lot of things yeah we did have a few uh posters on our last podcast which was a lot about the elections the malaise that we were all feeling because of the uh uh rigged election. I guess the attorney general in Maricopa County is looking into the Cary Lake loss, the voting irregularities now. Well, they still haven't certified that election, right? It's been a couple weeks since election day. Yeah, I think so. They're still counting apparently, or I don't know. But remember, that's a situation where the person in charge of the election won the election. Won the election. Maybe it did get certified. I stopped paying attention, but there are a bunch of irregularities, which I love that term. It's a nice euphemism for cheating. <laughs> Election irregularities. TBM gave us a parable on why the GOP lost the election. 
he says, and it's perhaps his entry into the story contest. I say, no, TBM, work harder, try again. Post at least twice <laughs> as much text as you posted into this. Well, and this parable is not really a, a story. It's just a parable. He says, the Republican Party is like unto a man who brought home a crazy woman from the bar and enjoyed her company for a night. It just doesn't seem like you're trying really hard. Like, I think you could <laughs> say that in a much more titillating, salacious, intriguing manner, whatever, you know, come up with, come on, TBM, you know, you've had, you've had to do this for your creative writing classes in college, I'm sure. The woman became with child, and the child was neither devoured nor driven into the wilderness, but instead needed her consent for every decision he made thereafter. I am not following that TBM. You're uh, going to have to elaborate. Uh, no, I, I like it. I think it's really... He's alluding uh, to uh, Revelation uh, chapter 12. Well, I think it's an appropriate description of the Republican Party, because the Republican leadership they don't stand for anything. They stand for what the powers that be let them stand for. And so you have this weak, this weak group of people like McConnell and Romney and I don't know who else. So the Republican Party has had a child that needs, her cons- needs the consent of its mother for every decision it makes. He's just saying that Republicans... Do what they're told. Do what they're told. Yeah, and who's telling him? Well, the, the, the statists, the regime, the oligarchy, call them what you will. Hmm. He also posts... I mean, this should have been an absolute slam dunk for Republicans, this election cycle. Well, I think it was. I think it's just rigged. I, you know, that's the problem. If you don't... But, I, but I, it, I, wasn't, it wasn't... You didn't have the national leadership, the Republicans in power in Congress, right? Well, they're saying they, they didn't. They did nothing. They're saying they didn't spend enough money. I'm thinking no, they didn't say any words. They didn't. I know. I'm thinking that they, it wasn't even necessary. The situation is so bad. Seventy percent of people want to change, and they are going to vote for the people who are openly proclaiming that they're going to go with the status quo. It, right. It, more the fact that more uh, House of Representative races didn't switch, I think, is the key. The fact that. Uh, Statistically, Biden picks up, you know, more seats than any president in the last 30 years got in a midterm election. It's statistically all wrong. This stuff, you know, it, it flies in the face of logic. We have all the voting irregularities. We've got the, the evidence starting to come out right now of the cheating and the fraud. We're, li- we're living in bizarro world. What is bizarro world? You know more about this stuff than I do. Isn't that where Superman is bad? And all the, the good heroes are bad. It's like a comic book situation where the reality flips and the good people are bad and bad people are good. And I just thought that was reality. Bizarro world? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, hmm. you're right. We're right. We're, we've talked about inversion, right? It's a lot of inversion going on. I like the, uh, the, the Russian dolls you posted. Yeah. Act Blue, FTX, Ukraine, American money. <laughs> yeah. And the president. There were a lot of good memes with this Bankman, Bankman Fried. I think it's Bankman Freed or something like that. Which, by the way, it's been, a, it's been a few days now, and he's still not under arrest. 
Well, see, TBM notes again in the comments that Bankman Freed is a very real person with a real name. His parents, Bankman and Freed, are Stanford law professors. His girl, Carol Ellison, and her dad, Glenn Ellison, is the head of the econ department at MIT. I submit, TBM, that that could all be fake. Well, what I submit is, yes, those, there are... Those Harvard pro- or Stanford professors could be CIA operatives. There's that angle, but also, and, and his mother is definitely a Democrat operative. She's run a, you know... So a Demo- CIA operative? Democrat, like, uh, fundraising arm. But that could Ask yourself all, but, the question. If you're, if you're with a group of people right now, ask the person sitting next to you if they are a CIA operative <laughs> or if it's possible that they are a derivative operative, meaning they work for someone who works for someone who works from so- for someone. It's, this is like six steps away from Kevin Bacon, right? You might be a CIA operative. If you're working for a military contractor, you might be a CIA operative. But if you're I, working for a school district, <laughs> you are probably a CIA operative right. less removed than the guy that works at Lockheed Martin. Well, it's very possible, and I see what you did there. It's very possible What did I do? That this guy is a very real person and his parents are 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 professors, but that's part of the point, right? His parents are professors, you know, well healed, well placed people that enabled this all to happen. If you accept things on the face value. So you're saying she slept with somebody and he slept with somebody to get, you know, figuratively speaking, to get those positions at, at Stanford? Well, no, I don't really care how they got the that's positions the, what, at the Stanford. That's what well-heeled people do. They, they pay for their kids' uh, ACT scores, right? Didn't we find this out a couple of years ago? <laughs> yeah, and that B actress got basically was the face of it the all. The face of it that got slapped on the wrist. And you know, there's they're all paying for the scores, right? So I, you know, I don't know, but it, what what continues to come out is more and in, interesting information about all of that. And meanwhile, I think he's still in the Bahamas. I think he maybe was asked to answer some questions, but as far as I know, he's not been arrested. And he probably won't be. And I think, I suspect this will all just go away. What is that, Monsters, Inc.? Wouldn't it be nice if this, all this paperwork just went away? I don't remember that. That was uh, the Mike Wazowski. You know, at the end of each workday, he was supposed to file some paperwork. File paperwork with the woman who turned out to be the intelligence operative. Oh, yeah, that lady? <laughs> oh, he's watching. Raz or Rez, I think was her name. I don't name. know. Anyway, so uh, also TBM says Neil Gaiman wrote the basis for Marvel's Eternals in 2016, 2017 comics. Yeah, he posted some stuff. Did you check out his PDFs? Um, uh, he, he sent me some stuff that I posted. I saw the link to it. He, well, has, he has a very, very <laughs> short write-up relying on... Um, Relying on some comic book artwork to show some certain characters' names and their functions and how they've inverted the story of the cosmos. Yeah, TBM, I I, I know your your heart seems like it's kind of in it, but you're just not very verbose. I mean, you you're leaving a lot to people's imagination. I think if you were more explicit, extensive in your language, we you could make a greater impact on the listeners of the mind virus show you you throw these things out there and I, and I since I've met you in person I know you're a sharp guy but you know 
Well, Neil, Neil you, you leave a lot to the imagination. Neil Gaiman, tell us what you really think. Neil Gaiman definitely knows some stuff. He wrote a whole book called Norse Mythology, where he goes, where he talks about the Norse gods and American gods. Is a as as one I mentioned last week. It's that's all based on folklore and geographical significance and the supernatural. And most of his books kind of combine. I shouldn't say most, but the ones I've read anyway. Many of his books are collisions of the supernatural and the regular world. And, and so they're things that happen to regular Joe Schmoes who get caught up in the, in the cosmic dealings of irresponsible gods or supernatural powers, things like that. Neverwhere is another really good one that I highly recommend. But Neil, yeah, Neil Gaiman knows some stuff. His stories tend to have nice endings, and so I, maybe he's one of the good guys. Well, just because you have a nice ending. Well, right. If but, you've inverted the story like Avengers, and then you have a nice ending, <coughs> that means the bad guys won. Right. But I, I, I don't think, I think Neil Gaiman's a good guy. He, I think he's one of the good guys. I'm not saying good guy like, oh yeah, he's such a good, because I have no idea, but I think he's on the right side. I admit I haven't read really anything. But I could be completely wrong. Of his. But he's a very, very good storyteller. Well, and we had stories, as we know, are what shapes the whole world. Right, right. What we're supposed to believe, what we're told to believe. In fact, there's a theory I saw recently that a lot of the major narratives uh, that are thrust upon us are actually crafted by Hollywood caliber storytellers. One of the one of which was. This was a, a strange coincidence. You know, last week we brought up the pre-programming or pre- uh, predictive pro- programming found in Back to the Future, right? The original Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Uh, predicted, so, you know, allegedly or uh, not allegedly, but there's evidence in the movie of predicting 9-11. Well, the director, the director was Robert Zemeckis of, of Back to the Future, and there's a theory out there that maybe that that was part of his contribution, or that he he contributed or even crafted the actual 9/11 narrative. Really, and so that was part of all of that. So he threw it into Back to the Future, right? And the theory, the 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 uh, the overarching theory with that is that a lot of these major events are actually just scripted and produced and written by you know, writers and directors and storytellers. And I don't know, I, I would have to dig into that more, but the point being, and I, I would accept the point that stories are very powerful. I mean, the whole world, the lens of that which we view and, and deal with and cope with this entire existence is storytelling. Yeah. So there was a really interesting documentary done about 15 years ago called America, freedom to fascism. Did you ever see that? It was by a guy named Aaron Rousseau. I th- might have seen bits and pieces. It sounds familiar. Ah, oh, man, stuff like this. It's really sad because people. Is that- there, there are plenty of people who have been warning about the condition we're in right now, and the reason that more people don't wake up is because there's always a good story to go with it. Right. Okay. So a guy named Aaron Rousseau did this documentary, 
He was the producer of the movie Trading Places, you know, uh, Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy. I don't know if you've seen that. I watched that recently and uh, had never seen it before, but I keep seeing it in these financial memes. Um, <laughs> they, the story is that these two Wall Street magnates, Randolph and Mortimer Duke, brothers who run a brokerage house, and they're trying to corner the market on uh, frozen concentrate orange juice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really kind of a funny show. Anyway, they they all of a sudden they 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 make this bet with each other for some reason. They they decide that they're they're these sort of pseudo philosophical type of guys. They style themselves as philosophers, and they have this thought one day that the guy that's running their company, the managing director, who is Dan Aykroyd, that it's just all, he's only a product of his environment and that, uh, you know, we could replace him with a beggar off of the street and that guy would do just as well if we put him in the right environment and, and take care of him. And, and uh, Aykroyd, if we, if we throw him out on his ear, take away his house, you know, destroy his life, uh, wreck his wreck his uh, soon to be marriage with with his fiance that he'll turn to a life of crime, and so they make this bet with with each other and they swap uh, Dan Aykroyd for Eddie Murphy, and Eddie Murphy then becomes the the managing director and it's it's funny it, it, right off the bat Eddie Murphy for various reasons seems to understand the markets you know because of his street smarts. And starts making all these good decisions and and whatnot. But anyway, uh, I noticed that the guy that uh, was credited as the producer there is Aaron Rousseau, which reminded me that he had done this documentary, America: Freedom to Fascism. And the whole point of the documentary was that he went out to investigate the tax, the income tax protest movement. And yeah, that was that was known as the uh, the uh, what was the little tagline they had? That was the the ninety nine and the one percent, right? That was it. That movement. What did they call themselves? The uh, the three percenters. No, there, were, there was about. the whole movement where they shut down bridges and stuff in New York City. How long ago? Oh, not very long ago. You're not talking about Occupy Wall yeah, Street. Yeah, Occupy. Was it that that he? No. Okay. This is. Uh, let me see if I can find the documentary. I'll bet you Google doesn't even have it. Oh, okay. Google's top link is to <laughs> when you type in the exact words. Sometimes they just have to come clean. Right. Because uh, the top link is to Wikipedia and to uh, IMDb. It's a 2006 movie directed by Aaron Rousseau. And so this is five years after 9-11. And right. people were asking a lot of questions after 9-11. And I admit I wasn't in the immediate aftermath. I wanted to destroy the Iraqis and whoever else wanted to give America a black eye. I didn't get it right. at that point being a, a dumb young adult. But uh, there were very many people who had already been attuned to the problem, some because of George Bush's New World Order speech. Let's see, when was that? George 
That would have been like 1989 or 90, 91. I think it was 1991. A thousand points of light. It was 1991. Okay, or, or it was September 1990. It was September 12th. See, this is, this is where a lot of people are like, okay, 21 years ago, <laughs> these people that understand the oligarchies into the occult and into numerology and all that stuff. So there, people are putting the pieces together in the 90s. You had Waco, Texas. You had Ruby Ridge. You have the ATF. You got all these, all these laws are being passed. And anyway, the reason I'm bringing all this up is because you pointed out that these events are planned well in advance. And the, if um, Zemeckis knew about 9-11 in 1983 and 84 when they were conceptualizing Back to the Future, because remember, Back to the Future was 1985. He says, I've got to get back to the year 1985. Right. 1985 was a great year, at least for me. I was young and happy, <laughs> ignorant of all things, <laughs> right. except for the Russians. I was not ignorant of the Russians. Yeah, we all grew up knowing that they were terrible, evil, and it's funny how that's come full circle. We had a, the Russians had a little grace period there. In the 90s. After the fall of the, the Berlin Wall came down, and then suddenly it was cool to be like pro-Russian, and you know, because they were... Well, if you wanted were, to go, uh, go over there and take your slice of it, it was November <laughs> right. 1989, and so in the 90s, it was like a, free, a capitalistic free-for-all to, right. take, to take land and, and uh, market in Russia. I'd say it was a corporatist free-for-all, because right. it was the big oligarch business types that moved in there. Right, and, and then, of course, all of the Russian um, industries were gobbled up by oligarchs who were funded by somebody in the West— Nobody knows who the nobody ever talks about who funded the Russian oligarchs. But anyway, America freedom to fascism is interesting because Rousseau set out to try and understand the tax movement and and debunk it. And it turns out they were right. He he was told by people that there was no that the, 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 that the income tax had been foisted upon America and there was no actual law requiring that you pay it. And he ends up interviewing people like Harry Reid and the director of the IRS, and he can never get anybody to say, to show them, to show him the law. They just say, what are you talking about? It's clearly the law. You must, you must be crazy. Why would we do all of these things if there weren't a law? That's the type of response that they have. And right. then, they, then they end up throwing him out when he, when he really asks the hard questions. Well, Rousseau's kind of an interesting dude. He's a, a Hollywood type. And... Um, He's been reasonably successful, and and this is still well before the internet, well before media has had radically shifted. It's not before the internet, but it's right. well before the internet totally became the dominating Co-opted. force, the dominating force in society. Would you would you disagree that the internet is the dominating mechanism by which society interacts today? Yeah, I had a frightening experience. That's related. Okay, go ahead. I'll, tangent, because I can come back. I've got a note here that I'm not going to forget <laughs> this tangent. Well, it's based on what you've just said about the internet. So I was, uh, I was out by myself deer hunting recently. Really? And, really? And, tell, yeah. me, tell me more. This is interesting <laughs> stuff. Riveting. I've, I, would never, I would never have thought Bobby and Flood out, out hunting. I had sat on this spot for a half an hour or so, and I was 
what we say is glassing, right? I was glassing the hills for deer. I was looking through my binoculars. Oh, okay. I and I'd seen gla- there's glass in your binoculars. I'd so seen they several call it glassing. Yeah, I'd seen several deer. Shoot. And anyway, I decided it was time to move. It was very cold, and I wanted to go back to the truck. And you warm saw up. several deer. Why didn't you shoot them? Well, they were too far away. Oh. And they, I was hunting with the bow. Uh, there's a late season opportunities okay. to hunt with a bow. Okay. So a bow, you've got to get to well, for me anyway within about sixty six yards. feet. Six feet, it would be great. Okay. Anyway, I stand up and I, I start heading back to the truck and I reach for my phone because I, want, I have an app on my phone which has a map. Tells you how to get out of the wilderness no, you no, entered? No, I, I wasn't really in the, in the wilderness. I was only about a 10-minute walk from the truck. But I was, okay. I was looking, I wanted to look at the map app that I have that tells me boundaries of private property, mm-hmm. and, you know, make sure I was still on the up and up because there was some private property nearby. Anyway, I, I, is this owned by the governor? <laughs> no, <laughs> private owned by John husband, Jr. I can't, I, I couldn't find this, my phone, this device. I check all my pockets. I check, you know, I'm patting myself, you know how people do. And I'm, Oh, I think, Oh man, it must've slipped out when I was sitting down. So I, I go back and I'm kind of doing a little grid search and I'm panicking. And I'm also having this primal response that kept telling me, use your phone to call home and have somebody call your phone so you so can, you can find hear it ring. <laughs> and I kept thinking, and I kept like instinctively reaching. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Just, <laughs> and then you, then you're Bobby Flood short circuits. Then you're lo, you know, then in you're, the middle of the wilderness. Then your brain takes over and says, you can't call someone at home because you've lost your phone. <laughs> and, like, I, and then you're like, maybe I should have a backup phone. And I was looking, I was kind of doing this grid search in the area where I was sitting because I couldn't find the exact spot. It all looks the same as a sagebrush hill, right? Wow. And I'm thinking, what if it fell out earlier? I'll never find it. No, you can find it. Just have someone call it. Well, how am I going to tell someone to call it? And then I'm just kicking myself. Why don't I have my Apple Watch? I could just ping it. What is wrong with you? And then I found it. And I was like, okay, whew. And I, and I just... Was it a tearful reunion? I just thought, we are so... Did you embrace each other? <laughs> I patted it, wiped the dirt off. I'm so sorry. I, I can't stay mad at you. <laughs> but I don't, you know... I, Afterward, I got to think, thinking about how entirely dependent we've become on these little devices and all that it brings with them. The internet, primarily, our forms of communication, our, the way we spend money, it's all online. It's all the internet. The credit card you hand over to somebody and they zap it or scan it, that's the internet. Yeah. That now communicates to the servers and the payment processors with the internet. Right. Do you ever see anybody that still has the paper credit card processor with a little... If you're of any significant age, like over 20, now over, over 40, 30, <laughs> somewhere in there, do you remember when the credit cards had to like dial? Oh, yeah. And it would, you would t- hear- Do you remember standing in line waiting for that? Yeah. That that you, it used to take a while to process a credit card. Do you remember? You remember the the swipe sheets from when you were a kid, right? The yeah, the triplicate. Uh, what do they call it? The carbon carbon copy stuff. Yeah, 
Yeah, that, that's what I was just talking about. Yeah, I think they've carbon dated those back to like a long, like <laughs> ages ago, like the age of Taurus. Um, yeah, I mean, it used to take a while to process a credit card. Now you expect if you go to Walmart or something, you stick that card in there and it doesn't, you know, immediately approve your transaction. You're thinking something's wrong. Sometimes it happens so fast that I wonder if I was ever actually charged. But then I see the statement and I was charged. Yeah, well, you, they'll charge Yeah, they'll charge you for sure. You, they, they don't even have to swipe it now. You can just put the card in the area. Yeah, well, yeah, or just you can just put your phone in the area now if you have like a, a payment plan set up there. Like or if you haven't lost Apple your phone. Apple Pay or Google Pay. Well, yeah, and see, my phone is also like doubles as my wallet. I've got credit cards and my driver's license tucked into the back of it. Hmm. And then, so I was panicking there for a minute. <laughs> and, and then I felt really ashamed at how dependent on this thing I've become. You didn't want the deer to find it. The nice thing about being dependent and completely addicted to it, though, is I reached for it quite soon after standing up and starting to walk. So I didn't go very far. Yeah. Can you imagine if the deer found it? They'd be like looking at your stuff. They'd, they'd find where you live. They're like, oh, this Bobby Flood has been stalking us. The tables have turned. Yeah. All, all these deer peering in your window at night, menacing yeah. your family as they go to school. I have seen deer in the yard. Do you ever get them in your yard? I understand why they're in your yard. Well, because I... You've been hunting I them. lay I lay out alfalfa hay. Oh, you've been feeding them? <laughs> you've been chumming? <laughs> no, no, I Yeah, no, I've I actually haven't. seen. I've actually seen deer in my yard. Yeah, they've... Uh, we used to get them more often in, in the neighborhood. But now a lot of their little habitat here has been developed. But there is a a herd of urban deer. In fact, it is the city had a problem with that. It is yeah, and then so they made it legal to hunt the deer with bows within the city limits. We're going to give away some stuff, maybe. And but you have to have like a certification. They don't want people. You don't want people wounding deer and having them die in someone's swimming pool or driveway or Hmm. on their ring cameras. But yes, that's all to say that yes, the internet is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it is the dominant mechanism by which we interact uh, clearly. In some cases, it's the only mechanism. And we're losing the ability to have regular conversations with people face to face. As one man speaketh to another. Right. <laughs> I worry that, uh, you know... You need you need to be able, especially uh, as when you're dealing when you're dealing with public officials, you need to be able to get in touch with somebody face to face to to handle something like a DMV transaction, or uh, to ask a question about your taxes or whatever. You know, so much of this is done online and via email or automated systems. Like uh, the DMV here in Utah in Salt Lake County had a for a while there they had a uh an, a requirement that you make an appointment and their appointment app was buggy right so it was like i i went in there a couple of times and and it was like okay i'm sitting out here in the car and this thing keeps resetting and putting me further back in line so i walk in there i'm like hey man this app is messed up. I, I've been here 20 minutes and it just keeps reassigning me a different place in line. And the guy's like, here's your ticket. You know, it's like, this is happening all the time. So we're, uh, 
we're victims of the technology at this point. I don't think I think that the technology is essentially an Achilles heel. It's our it's our hubris. It's going to we're going to be destroyed by that very factor. You know, if you want to know why in Revelation chapter 17 or 18 ish the merchants of the world mourn because Babylon was destroyed in an hour. And I think we've mentioned this before on the podcast. It literally could be destroyed in an hour if we destroy the the electronic means of of communication and transaction. It we're, we're we're super close to that possibility. Literally one hour. Do you know who was in New York City on nine eleven? I I could probably throw out a few names that you know. Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's an unex. I learned recently that that there was someone there on nine eleven. The Cuomo's. The nine eleven, having breakfast. George Bush Senior with Charlie Rose. Henry Kissinger. No, 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 no. Our good friend. Baron de Rothschild. Klaus Schwab. Oh, Klaus Schwab was there. Yeah. Okay, this <laughs> just, is why... put that in your pipe and this smoke is, it. This is why I brought up uh, Aaron Rousseau, because he tells the story in Freedom to Fascism that he was approached while, while working on the, um, on the movie, I think. He's asking questions, and, and he's starting to show that he's not... He, he's not going along with the appropriate narrative, right? He's, right. Not, he's not going on along with the, what they call the normal inducements. Mm-hmm. Okay, because you'll see that. I saw that in a movie. There was uh, some clandestine group had to resort to more, uh, more forceful tactics because the individual had not gone along with the normal inducements. Mm-hmm. And that's a question is, you know, if, if you're working for the school district or for, the, for Lockheed Martin, are you falling for the normal, the regular inducements where they don't have to tell you the whole story? They need to up the ante. And in, in the case of, uh, I can't remember what movie it was, but in, in the case of the one I'm thinking about, they, they, they resort to bribery, they resort to blackmail, they resort to, uh, they appeal to your, they, uh, to, to your indulgences, right? They, or to your desires, they uh sounds like the vaccine roll they try to flatter you into or 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 identify if you're uh, susceptible to uh that type of uh coercion you know like uh what what's the word i'm looking for if if you're if you're if you're susceptible to being bribed or or um you know if 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 you're not of the, if you don't have high morals, right? Right. What am I? I'm, there, I'm missing some words here to explain this. You get what I'm talking about. If you're a person of, of, of lower morality, you'll be you'll be easy to co-opt into the system because they'll be able to bribe you. They'll be able to get you on blackmail, right? You know, induce you with what they would call the regular inducements. And then if if somebody won't go for that, if they've got more uh, moral backbone, then they have to. They're not going to tell them the whole story, first of all. They're going to keep you out of the circles where you're going to know more of the story. And then, you know, then, then they'll resort to uh, legal means like they have with Alex Jones or full-on deplatforming, defamation of his character. If anybody had a case for defamation, I mean, this guy's had tons of lies told about him. I mean, he is a public figure, but the, uh, and the standard is higher, but he's been defamed 
all over the place. Anyway, what, what I'm getting at is Aaron Rousseau was into these circles. For whatever reason, maybe he had gone along with what the pattern of what these people thought was normal, that he was going to be manageable. And he'd, he'd done some movies. He'd, done, uh, he, he'd been involved in commerce at, at a certain level that he, he was fairly well off, right? And he'd made friends with, I believe it was one of the Rothschilds, one of the younger Rothschilds, okay? Now I'm going from memory here, so somebody watch the documentary and let me know who it was that he was talking to. But this is after 9-11 that he's doing the documentary, and he says that they came to him before 9-11 and realized that he was getting into this freedom movement. And they're like, look, you don't, you, you need to, you need to join our club, essentially. You need to join us because, you know, they, they essentially laid out for him the two-tiered society. They indicated, you know, you're, you, you, it doesn't matter that, that freedom in America is being destroyed. If you join us, you can get what they called a, a KMA card. Kiss my butt card, aunt? right? Oh, kiss my aunt. <laughs> the idea, the idea was, and you, and everybody should watch this Freedom of Fascism, two thousand six, and and that should be our homework over the weekend, Thanksgiving weekend. By the way, we got to talk about that. It, it, it should. Be, I'll bet you that it, that that now that I'm thinking about it, that documentary probably looks incredibly prophetic in the year 2022. But anyway, so, so Russo's having this conversation with a, a personal friend of his who's, who's a very wealthy individual who knows what the real reality is, the scripted reality that's going to occur before it happens. And this is pre-9-11, and the guy's telling him, you know, don't worry about the little people. Join us. You can be one of us. And the guy is telling him you, you can get it, you know, you, you'll essentially have a get out of jail free card. You can do whatever you want. You can't be touched. And, and where have we, haven't we not seen that coming to the surface now with a lot of the, the statists who seem to have a KMA card that they, they seem to be able to get away with almost whatever they want. I mean, what's the Paul okay. Pelosi thing? They now have, they now have uh, publicized the footage or they say they have the footage that, he answered the door when the authorities showed up, but he still ends up getting hit with a hammer. Yeah, that that whole thing is bizarre, and it's just going to get memory hold. Um, you, I can I can tell you that if it was what they wanted you to think it was, like this MAGA attack, it would be on the news twenty four seven, seven days a week, twenty four hours a day, every channel. But it wasn't. It was some weird lovers' tryst, probably, and it gets you know it just gets. Memory hold. It's the same thing with. Um, there was a shooting in Colorado over the weekend, right? Right, at which a, is immediate. At a gay we're, club. we're being told immediately that it was a hate crime, even though the guy, the shooter, was a serial criminal. And you know, was it, it a lover's tryst there? I, I mean, I no idea. It doesn't matter. All that we know, all that we need to know, is that it was a hate crime, and now you need to stand with the LGBTQIA community and if you don't you're also a hate crime committer and also we need to get rid of guns that's right. all you need to know okay getting back to freedom of fascism aaron rousseau he says continuing the conversation that 
and this is to this is to add supporting evidence to the possibility that Zemeckis did know of 9/11 and was involved in the scripting of it 15 years earlier, right? And and there there have been plenty, or at least used to be able to find these on the internet in the the uh, nines, tens, elevens, teens, whatever. The before times. The before times. The before two, roughly 2017 ish. Uh, when they started cleaning it up, because it really did start before COVID, there were a it lot. Of, there were a lot of things that started disappearing, and, and 9/11, and, and pictures, pictures of Building Seven, uh, video of Building Seven being destroyed, all that stuff was carefully being uh, swept aside, swept under the rug in the year in the run up to COVID. But okay, so part of that conversation with this this uh, Rothschild friend was, he's like, no, 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 Aaron, you don't understand. This is going down. We're going to have, uh, he, he says he was told about 9-11 before it happened. And, and the guy's like, yeah, we're going to be, the world's going to change. And something's going to happen here. And we're going to be uh, running around in the desert. Our guys are going to be over in the desert. They're going to be hunting in caves. And all this crazy stuff's going to be going on, you know? And so the way I'm not doing a great job, the way Aaron Rousseau tells it is sort of chilling. And I think it would be interesting to go back and, and see that again. I'm going to go look for it when I get home today well, <laughs> it, wait. because it was very much like, yeah, they, they have definitely planned this out and more people know about it than you think. Think about, um, there was some video footage which popped up recently. of John McCain is in the Ukraine. <laughs> There's a is he with Lindsey Graham? I think so. And is this the the stuff where they're they're with the Asaf battalion telling them? That, yeah, they're, you're gonna win. We're gonna make sure you win. We're gonna. This is like in 2014, 2015. Yeah, and it was before Trump won. Yeah, it was. We we commit. We're committing all kinds of resources to you. You guys need to buck up. It was basically what he was saying is we're getting ready for the war and we're gonna make sure you guys win. Well, the war didn't, you know, was postponed. Well, I don't Some, know if it was po- postponed. What if, what if they do plan it this far in advance? Well, I think they, they I mean, in some takes, cases, they probably do. It They're takes expecting- a long time to get a military operation going. You've got to produce the arms if there's, you're going to destroy the arms. There's speculation that Trump maybe stopped or delayed that. Who knows? But the point being is this was a plan they had, and McCain was very uh, obvious about it. And now what do we have going on? We have the U.S. funding and arming Ukraine in a proxy war against Right. I see. I think if there was any sort of a delay, it was to let the Russians and the Chinese catch up militarily. Possibly. They need the, the arms. They need the armaments in order to prosecute the war on their side. Right. So why are we having a little pause here? Is it because they're all building cruise missiles so we can fire them off at each other? It might have been a little pause saying, hey, before we do this, we have to reset the the world we're going to do that through a little thing called a pandemic i, I we we've speculated a lot right how <laughs> over the hey i play the radio that's a good t-shirt slogan to post <laughs> we've speculated a lot right full stop period and we have exclamation but, point but even. in Question some of mark? these cases that's all we can do but how you know this we speculate about how much literal actual planning goes into this versus how much is you know just the simulation the algorithm playing itself out i think but i do think there's a lot of planning that doesn't mean that all the plans come to pass but 
maybe just the way my brain is, I can't look at something like the Event 201 exercise and the specificity that they used during that and then see the pandemic roll out and think that those two things aren't related, that those two things aren't, you know, a cause and effect, a plan and a plan being executed. And so when you when you see things, when you see these hints, like these predictive programming hints in movies and television and things about 9-11, I just think that's way too, that's way too specific. I got to see if I can find one of those 9-11 predictive programming documentaries that they, they, YouTube has definitely done a good job getting rid of, rid of them, but uh, some of them are pretty compelling. Like the episode of the lone gunman remember the the x-files spinoff did you ever watch x-files i did there you remember the lone gunman the the group of conspiracy researchers kind of yeah they had a little spinoff like a one season uh-huh. uh one uh series and in one of the main episodes of that one there was a uh, an episode where they were uh the guy with the beard was almost killed on an airplane that that the conspiracy was trying to fly into the twin towers. Right. So that there was that one. There were, there have been some other monologues in um, some of these action military shows where they talk about the Arab terrorist angle and um, how it's funded by the West and how the intention, you know, that they literally monologue the whole thing out for you in true Hollywood style. And then that could never happen. And the, the guy comes in and saves the day and destroys the whole plot or whatever. Right. Well, all the I, clocks set to nine 11. We mentioned that before. Yeah. In movies, there's all kinds of little hints in movies. Now, maybe mm-hmm. that's just like the thousand monkeys type it on a keyboard type of a thing, but I don't think so. Did you ever see Oliver Stone's JFK? Did we already talk about this? I've seen it. Excellent show. Um, the whole point of that movie is to show how absurd the Warren Commission report is and who some of the players are, who they worked for, like Dulles. Uh, and uh, Warren was the chief justice, but there were like a couple of guys on the, on the Warren Commission who had been fired by Kennedy, <laughs> like right. Dulles. Right. Okay. Who was the di- director of the CIA. Right. Yeah. Well, and then, and then you, you know, you've got all these. Then the magic bullet. You've got all of these movies leading up to the pandemic, right? All of these. Like, I think pandemic. I identified like twenty-eight different right. shows since the '90s that were about pandemics. Well, did you ever see the the 2012 London Olympic? Yeah, yeah, ceremony? yeah. The, we, I think we've mentioned that before on the I show. Mean, that's very suggestive of a. Uh, pandemic <laughs> it's like well not just that but like a coronavirus right they lit the stadium up like a and coronavirus. you have a grim reaper dancing around kids in the hospitals yeah the whole thing has the the hospital beds it was absurd it was crazy yeah it's like why are they those those ceremonies those opening ceremonies and stuff tend to be very very symbolic and bizarre and strange i heard they have a world cup opening ceremonies a friend of ours sent us a link to that 
over the weekend. Yeah, the World Cup um, started yesterday. I never knew there was a World Cup opening ceremonies, the, the, like a pa- pageant or the something. The U.S. men play today, which by the time you hear this will have been Will have lo- been eliminated from the tournament. Well, you, you can't get eliminated <laughs> yet. It's pool play, but... Isn't that tradition to eliminate the United States pretty quickly? Well, this this is the first World Cup they've even qualified for in eight years. Oh, really? They missed the last two. Really? Really, Do you have really, to qualify for the World Cup? Yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be that difficult for a country with the resources of the U.S., but right. our, this is a fact, and I don't mean this to disparage the soccer players. Our... Our best athletes do not play soccer. That's this just is a true. fact. You don't have LeBron James on the soccer team. You don't have, uh, you know... Uh, uh, Tom Brady? Uh, I don't know that he's an he's athlete. Very he's very specialized. A, but you don't have, like, um, what's the quarterback's name for the Ravens? I've just drawn a blank. But he's a very athletic, fast quarterback. What is his name? Lavar Lamar Jackson. Jackson, I think. Lamar Jackson, you got it before Google did it. But or nice uh, or somebody like uh, I mean, imagine trying to imagine someone with the size and speed and athleticism of LeBron James. You could, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City. Right. You know, or, or uh, like some of these running backs have incredible footwork and agility. Right. Or receivers. And it's just the it's just the fact that our best athletes go into football and basketball, baseball. Uh, Baseball, you don't have to be super athletic. I don't know. Some of those guys a, are pretty athletic. It, some of them are. Some of them are not. It's a baseball is a very it's specialized, not, yeah, n- sport. Now it's a great game. I and, wouldn't compare it to soccer. No, and soccer is awesome. I I enjoy watching it. But yes, I, I uh, we'll have to see the link to the. Definitely, the talent gets sucked. The type of talent that would play soccer gets sucked into football. Yeah. Yeah. And this World Cup is in Qatar, Qatar. I'm not sure how to say Qatar? it. Qatar? Because you've heard, I've K- heard K-tar? different. But what a bizarre place for a World Cup. It's a small. Well, they could have done Dubai, right? It's a small country with not a lot of people there. So everyone's got to travel to it, to this place where it's hot, to these big stadiums that are temporary. Well, I think that's the point. They're trying to make the, those uh, Gulf states sort of an oasis for you know, like the new Bahamas, like a new yeah, money, I mean, as long as international money laundering spot. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's been that for a long time, but yeah, it's just a kind of strange place for that. And, and then the U S men's team changed their logo to rainbow colors to represent the LGBTQ community. Are the, a lot of the players gay? I, I don't know, but it's a social political statement because Catter still has some harsh anti-same-sex gender marriage laws. Okay. <laughs> and so they thought, well, we'll stick it to them by changing by our... Ra- because r- they think rainbow flag, when they see rainbow flag, they think gay. When anyway, did that, ha- when did that it, happen? Because the rainbow flag, the, the idea of a rainbow... Well, they, it's just yeah. not... Yeah, I don't know. That's a when recent that, development in in world history. I, yeah, I don't know when they they co opted the rainbow, stole the rainbow from the Christians, but that's what they did. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But now the trans community is stealing it from the. Yeah, there's a little bit of friction community. there. 
But anyway, how did we... Oh, yeah, the ceremonies. I haven't watched the opening cup, World Cup ceremony. We'll have to maybe take a look. Yeah, I, I heard there was a guy without legs in it. That's all I know. <laughs> well, it's uh, like we mentioned, it's November 21st. Many of you are going to listen to this over your Thanksgiving holiday. I hope you will. You're going to be playing it over the speakerphone, I assume. Alexa, play the Mind Virus podcast. Right. I do not know what the Mind Virus podcast is. What are, what are the responses that Alexa has? I'm sorry. That is unbiased. That is biased propaganda founded I, on misinformation, disinformation, and I'm not lies. allowed to play disinformation, conspiracy theories, and lies. Um, but you wanted to talk about some Thanksgiving stuff today. Well, I think it's appropriate to remind everybody about the first Thanksgiving. I will post in a link to an article probably on the American Economic Institute. What is it? The the AI, the the American Institute for Economic Research is uh, what we're talking about here. Well, this no, is there's two no, there's two different is, ones. This That's is this a- is the AEI. What AEI is that? AEI is the American Enterprise Institute or something. One of them There's one on the American Institute for Economic Research also. I'll post both of these. The legacy of Thanksgiving is free enterprise. And we're not talking about crony capitalism. We're talking about private property rights and uh freedom. Most people are unaware. I'm not going to get into this really I mean, we could read these articles, but... That would be boring. <laughs> the, uh, the first Thanksgiving was a celebration of abundance after a period of socialism and starvation. I, I think that deserves to be read a little bit less new, you know, news-speakish. The members of the Plymouth Colony had arrived in the New World with the plan for collecting property on... No, no it is good information. This, is, this, is, uh, this article is quoting a guy named Jerry Bauer... Uh, who based his work on the memoirs of Plymouth, the Plymouth Colony's governor, William Bradford. If you remember uh, the Puritans, who were very strict and had some... A lot of people think the Puritans are the basis for you know American religion. They're the basis for Protestant orthodoxy, like some of the really dogmatic, really uh, strict stuff. I, 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 don't, I don't know how well... Uh, we in the modern world would really relate to some of their tendencies. Right. The, in, the, in New England and in the Mid- Mid-Atlantic, which is just the area kind of south of uh, New England, there was, if you get into the history of, say, Joseph Smith, there was essentially a, um, a little bit of a dichotomy, a juxtaposition to be made between the radical Protestants and the magisterial or very orthodox Protestants. And so you had Joseph Smith coming from a very mystical, magical, radical Protestant type of a background. He was definitely not, uh, his, his legacy did not come through these, these Puritans, which is, a, again, a whole other topic of discussion for another day. But interestingly enough, according to Bradford's journals, I'll quote it again. The members of the Plymouth Colony had arrived in the New World with a plan for collective property ownership. Remember, these companies were formed. They they uh, raised funds. They had obligations to uh, bankers or, or financiers back in the old world. And they showed up in the New World 
and uh, began to operate like a commercial enterprise, or in this case, like a socialist enterprise, where the the people who ended up coming over didn't necessarily have a lot of incentive to do anything. It was kind of like a big union uh, endeavor. So the article goes on, and this is uh, Jerry Bauer. It says, reflecting the current opinion of the aristocratic class in the 1620s, their charter called for farmland to be worked communally and for the harvest to be shared. And he continues, you probably will not be surprised to hear that the colonists starved. Right. So the point about the thing, the, 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 the elementary school first Thanksgiving image that we all have from when we were kids was that the colonists came over and they were having a rough time so the American Indians taught them how to plant corn with fish, right? Fish to fertilize the corn and they were able to grow corn and have a good harvest because of the Indians. So the Indians came together with the colonists and they had a very beautiful dinner and that was the first Thanksgiving. Yeah, the, that was after half of them died. Yeah, the, the, in reality, what happened was they finally changed their laws. They starved for a, a little while, for a couple of years, I guess. It says famine came as soon as they ate their provisions. Uh, women were unwilling to cook for other women's husbands. The fields lay largely untilled and unplanted. Men were unwilling to work to feed someone else's children. And after famine came plague, half the colony died. Thank you, Bobby Flood. You hit it right on the head. And it says, unlike most socialists, they learned from their mistakes. Right. <laughs> they repented. They changed their minds, right? They, 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 they abandoned a false reality for a better, closer to the actual reality type of a situation. They, they changed the way they thought, and it was necessary because otherwise they were going to die. I think you made some comment like, well socialists rarely decide they want to change their minds. But in this case, it was life or death, right? So they, they gave each person uh, private property, private land to tend for themselves. And then it says the colonists threw off the statist intellectual fashions of their day. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> the results were over, overwhelmingly beneficial. But see, nowadays, though, the statists with their, what, what was that phrase? The... Statist. intellectual the statist intellectual fashions of their day yeah the statist intellectual fashions of our day is still killing people it's just not them the statists aren't the ones dying it's other people that get to die for their for, for their the cause. statists cause yeah, and for their them beliefs. to keep their their food and their money and all that stuff right well anyway if, you remember from when we were kids we were taught that it was the american indians and they the colonists were having a rough time and so they taught them how to farm corn and use fish as fertilizer and all this stuff and and it was they all sang kumbaya that first year and the colonists made it no half of them died they had to abandon their bad beliefs in favor of better understanding in order to survive and then they had a good year and then they had a, a thanksgiving festival and i think it's one of the great american holidays what what would what would be better than giving thanks at the end of a year when you have in abundance probably going to walmart at 3 a.m to get 25 percent off of something okay <laughs> you bring up you bring up of course the actual reality of what happens in america around well, thanksgiving you know what's interesting is it used to be black friday right yeah. 
and that became kind of Black Friday week. And then and others like pre Thanksgiving deals. I got I've been getting emails for two weeks, like pre Black Friday or it's Black Friday season, and it's like right. Well, everybody's got to get in, get the the customers earlier, right, so that they can get the money. Because right. that money's going to get spent somewhere. If it doesn't get spent with them, they don't have a a, a profitable year. <clears throat> yeah, which which is all part of the uh, ushering in. It's totally obliterated Thanksgiving, and it's all part of the uh, ongoing destruction of Christmas time as well. Right. The radio thing. The radio stations. There's a couple already here along the Wasatch Front playing Christmas music. Yeah, it's too early. It's way too early. I, I, I put up with a lot of uh, heat in my family when I try to ban Christmas music until Thanksgiving is over. But I'll tell you, I, I really do not like Christmas music, period. Even at Christmas time. <laughs> it's not good music. Some of it is. A it, lot of it's it, It's not. appropriate when you're sitting around like... On Christmas Day, after the Christmas presents have been opened, there's that little lull. Sure, play some. What kind of Christmas music you're thinking is not good? Well, most of it. Like what? Name name a song <laughs> well, okay. you don't like. Mar- anything by Mariah Carey is terrible. Like uh, the one by uh, Wham, Last Christmas I Gave You My Heart, but the very next terrible. day you threw it away. Yeah. Last away. Christmas I threw this song out. Now, there is some good Christmas music. Well, let me rephrase that. There's some good artists, like old school, like Bing Crosby, or even uh, Harry Connick Jr. I think those guys do great Christmas music, and they tend to sing the more traditional, less poppy pop songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's some nice Christmas hymns. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really don't like the, the pop. Christmas music. It just seems to me like it's a it's an example of this like the the what what they've turned Christmas into, right? It's this commercialized pop culture holiday rather than celebration of Jesus Christ. And I, I'm not a fuddy duddy. I you know, I enjoy a fun time. I you know I don't always wear a suit and tie. I'll take my tie off once in a while. <laughs> No, but I, but no, I. It's just I just don't like Christmas music. That's just where I'm at. So, like Handel's Messiah. I think it's really well done. I mean, it's it's iconic. Yeah. But Over, overplayed. I don't know anymore. You don't want to hear it once a year. You don't want to go to the sing along. I went to the sing along once. I don't sing. We used to sing that in high school every year. We would do a big, uh, a big you, candlelight. I went to. Uh, you must have gone to some fundamentalist high school. Yeah, and singing that religious stuff in uh, this, you know, southern Salt Lake County. I guess I shouldn't say exactly where. I attended high school there, and uh, was in the choirs. I sang. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, we had a big, like that was the big, one of the big concerts of the year was this big uh, Christmas concert. Yeah. See, you, you have a- We would do the Messiah every year. You have a pleasant singing voice. I do not. Oh, you think so? So like when I go to church and the choir sings or the congregation sings, I keep my mouth shut and just listen and enjoy. Really? 
I don't like to ruin it for those around me. You're so good at the voices. You could do like I could sing you like could Fauci. Sing almost any last style you Christmas wanted. I gave you my heart. Like that's that? not what he would say. <laughs> last Christmas I ruined your heart. That's right. I, I gave stole, you the shot. I Grinched. Yeah, I gave you the shot. <laughs> And the very Every next day, day, you collapsed on the floor. <laughs> <clears throat> wow. That was not the, way, the direction we took this when we didn't realize we were recording a few <laughs> minutes ago. But I think it's interesting. I like some Christmas music a lot. Some of it is definitely way overused. And the fact that they start these holidays so soon, it's not just Christmas. That Like Easter... Um, Halloween. It was Halloween in June this year, or something like that. I don't. Uh, everything's become commercialized. We are just well. And I, one of the things I don't recognition here. I don't in, like about the Black Friday the and world. this push into Christmas into mid-November is it short changes Thanksgiving, and I think Thanksgiving is a significant holiday. That yes, it's fun to watch football and eat a lot of food, but Thanksgiving is supposed to be about gratitude and that's something that is sorely lacking in our culture yeah there really should be a pause it should be like thanksgiving pause right like and then you come back i I like the idea of the 12 days of christmas Mm -hmm. like let's let's start about the song i like this idea that the song sort of implies (laughs) that you're going to start 12 days before christmas yeah and and you're going to kind of ramp into it which would mean that you'd have, you know, the last week in, no- in November would kind of be, okay, we're getting out of November here. And then you go December, it's, it's Christmas month, but we're not going to, we're, we're, we're holding back. We're demonstrating right. restraint. And then, you know, this about two weeks pass, you get to the 10th, the 12th, the 14th, somewhere in there, you start to decorate for Christmas. You start right. to think about it. But the problem is if you want to get the gifts, if you want to. Well, now it's a, it's this mad dash to to get the best deals get the best deals to get the gifts now you got this year you got to get the gifts before the railroad goes on strike you got to you got to get you know the hottest item and then there's all the events there's the school parties and the Chris, you know the work parties and the church parties and then in the neighborhood parties and the what do they still do the thing where you leave a treat on someone's door and you slap a Christmas tree or something on there and then you got to pay it forward. And so there's all these obligations that come with it. Or you could just keep it and not pay it forward. Yeah. But then you risk... Neighbors give... Then you risk the, you know, the bah humbug virus uh, infecting you. We stopped worrying about that and people just don't give us any Christmas stuff anymore. Yeah. And and look... Or it could be that we've just been ostracized by like I really like Christmas. I just don't like all of the obligations that come that are being foisted upon me. You know, I like what what really brings me back. What I, I like to do is listen to the Kurt Bester Eris Christmas album. It's it's all instrumental. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you probably heard it in a shopping mall. Kurt Bester was a we, we were big fans in our house when i was a kid yeah he was a family a a family friend really and his wife at the time was a school teacher huh that i had a class from oh really i'm gonna give away where i went to school if you (laughs) (laughs) and his mom also taught at the school i i really like those christmas albums i think they're amazing and they they bring me right back to 
being younger, one thing that brings me back to the good old days is the Mannheim Steamroller Christmas album. <laughs> yeah, they're like, what if we combine this cool thing called a synthesizer with Christmas music? I like the irony of like guys like Neil Diamond or Barbara Streisand doing Christmas albums. Because they're, they're Jewish. <laughs> you know, whatever. Or they're of Jewish heritage. Right. Got to be careful. We all have to walk on uh, <laughs> eggshells when we say anything about the Semites or the Shemites. Because we're all Shemites. Well, we're not, right? <laughs> we talked about that, didn't we? How We did, yeah. The, the uh, word Semite uh, comes from Shem, the son of Noah. And there were many... Shemites, so it's a little interesting that certain people get that, get to get to own that. There it is. This takes me right back. Yeah, me too. This is one of the best ones right here. This is Kurt Bester. I could sit in front of a gas fireplace in a in a. Costco recliner that I like for a long time listening to that. So that's the, that's the carol of the bells. Yeah. And there's also, I don't know, maybe that one picks up, but that's usually a fast paced. The silent night one is really good. We would do that. Did you ever hear the, did you ever hear this, this version of carol of the bells? Who is that? <laughs> just some internet thing. <laughs> it's just the internet, huh? And it it's ruined, not even anybody famous? No, it, it ruined... It, <laughs> it's an old meme from 13 years ago. This particular version of it has more than almost two and a half million views. But it's just a guy working behind a Burger King counter. And somebody's just filming him. No, it's not even like a real guy. It's like a weird animation kind of thing, like a photo with a, his jaw kind of moves. But that ruined... <laughs> Okay, that okay. ruined burger that ruined uh the carol, carol of the, the bells, bells yeah. for me burger king's food ruined burger king for me but that ruined carol of the bells i always think of that well christmas is for kids right in a lot of ways yeah yeah and I, and i i was lucky enough to have a really positive childhood i think and so i have good memories of the lights and the the season the feeling of it it's positive for me yeah definitely. i know it's not for everybody i get that there are huge segments of the world population that don't have that here you go Nanaheim steamroller this is awesome how can this not make you happy <laughs> It sounds like the opening to like a 60 minutes or something. Tonight. I think that in the golden age of America, the post-World War II golden age, that we had some really good times. And, and this plays 
well for a lot of people. There are a well, lot of there's a lot of Americans that get a good feeling when they hear some of this stuff that that, 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 that they've had a lot of good Christmases. That's an important part of our psyche, I think, and we're losing it. Well, the the movie we're the quickly losing the movie it. the Christmas story captures that post-war euphoria sort of a perfectly. Norman, Norman Rockwell feeling. I know yeah. that he was earlier than that, but his they're making it's evolved out of that. They're making a sequel to a Christmas story where Ralphie is an adult. Really? And it's got like all of the same cast in there. Really? And sadly it looks terrible. Uh, has it got wokeified? I don't know if it looks if it's woke. It just looks like Hey, we need to cash. The, we need to cash in on this. Oh yeah, that's true. We got. And maybe we it'll be good. Maybe it'll be good. But it's like you can't. You can't just get the same people and expect it to be the magical creation that the original was. So this is 2022. It looks like it's coming out yeah. this year. Yeah. But the original was 1983. Yeah. And that's the one I'm going to link to. And I think that's a long time ago. That's a forty-year gap, right? For these are, uh, and I think the original takes place in post post World War II, but it could be pre World War II. It's kind of ambiguous. I remember doing some homework on that, and there's some debate about when it took place. But I think it captures that to that that kind of idyllic Norman Rockwell. Family Christmas, where the dad is stressed out, but in the end, the dad's actually the hero. And just simpler times, right? It was a big deal to go downtown and see Santa at the mall. It was a big deal to go out to dinner. Yeah, the dad is totally the hero in that, right? Oh, yeah. He's awesome. He, <laughs> he'll shoot your eye out. Yeah, that's a classic. I think, I think last year around Christmas time, we talked a lot about that movie, or maybe it was the, the first year, our first episode, by the way. We're coming up on our two-year anniversary, our two-year... Uh, that's right. Two years was of it, all of this. Well, let's see. It was... The first episode was... Like December 18th or something, 2020. It was December 14th-ish. All right, all right, all right. All right. You were off by a matter of four days. We did that, and then we did our year in review. The first year in review episode was uh, right after that. So 2020. Yeah. What a year. <laughs> what a year. <laughs> Foo bar. Yeah, well, don't, uh, don't skip over Thanksgiving. No. Take no. some time this week and... Uh, enjoy time with your family and friends and enjoy, uh, you know, take time and be be grateful. Man, words are hard. I was going to say be gratituded. (laughs) Right, yeah. But but take some time and be grateful for, there is a lot to be thankful for. As crazy as our world is, as upside down and inverted as things are getting, I think there's still a lot to be thankful for. One of those things for me is that alongside all of this inversion and these lies and the gaslighting, the manipulation has been an explosion of light and truth. And we know that light always pierces the darkness. Light will win, hopefully in our lifetimes. Well, <laughs> see, the problem is it doesn't win the way that you think it does. What happens is they come and they burn the earth. It gets, yeah. really, it gets really dark here. It's going to appear to be dark. You, you guys kind of know what light is you're gonna 
But that doesn't you, mean you see it slipping away. That's the that problem. doesn't mean we can't fight the good fight and we have to make fight small fight. gains and even big gains here and there. We have to fight the fight. We don't. That's I think why the world destroys itself is because there's so many people that won't succumb to the evil. And when the powers that be make it so difficult that you know you can't. That this that they they try to stop the society from operating in a meaningful way that promotes in uh, in some way truth and um, improvement and and love and and positivity uh, and and you know the true the true nature of humanity that is that we are gods in embryo divine entities stuck in a fallen world once once that once those truths get taken off the table, then of course the system has to be reset. God allows the destruction because, you know, he's not going to let evil persist forever. Right. <clears throat> there, are a lot, there are a lot of uh, prophetic warnings in the Book of Mormon about how this land is supposed to be a land that worships the Christ, the true Christ. It doesn't say it that way, but I would submit that we live in a day where there are a lot of false Christs and false saviors. And w when we've sufficiently forgotten the God of this land, who is Jesus, the Christ, the true king of this creation, then, yeah, we're ripe for the destruction. And, of course, the society is being destroyed as we speak. You know, it's, it's not just a physical destruction. It happens in the mind first. Well, before is there we anything, is there anything I mean, looking at today's world what of the good of the past does the, does the collective society continue to hold to? Well, I think on an individual level there's a lot of it. I still think For sure. I still think families are value gathering together. I think there are a lot holidays. of families out there trying to hold on to that, but yeah. but the society as it's, a whole, if they have another 10 minutes with your kids, I mean well, and that's one of the one of the nice things. One of the silver linings is that it's easier and easier to tell the 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 right from the wrong right now. Unless like, you're a kid in the public schools. Well, yeah, the kids. They, that's where parents have to step up, and and it's okay, parents, to step up and protect your kids. They're going to call you a fascist or something, but it's okay. You're just watching out for your own kids. I remember, uh, was it KSL had a headline some time ago, something about parental rights. It's like... This, is, this isn't even a debate. Like, it shouldn't no, it's be just, a debate. There's this no, is not, it's, those are my kids. Yeah. The, you, yeah. guys, you guys seem to be uh, laboring under a delusion that somehow you have a say. Right. But that's the way the laws are crafted. Well, instead of ending on a bummer note, why don't we end with, why don't you share your one of your favorite Thanksgiving traditions in your family? Oh, geez. Well, I don't mean shooting pumpkins with the AR-15. <laughs> coming from a fairly big family and, and having a lot of uh, relatives in the, along the Wasatch Front here, Thanksgiving and Christmas end up being whirlwinds of parties and right. and activity and and whatnot and and so 
I mean, I, I enjoy the weather getting colder. Um, I, 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 I enjoy the feeling of fall. I think fall is perhaps my favorite, um, season. I mean, I love spring too, right? Who likes winter? <laughs> the, Winter's the, okay for a while. Skiers, the snow guys. The... By, usually by mid to late February, I'm just kind of like, all right, you yeah, did February's your... February's pretty... You had your go. Let's yeah. get the warmth. Let's get the sunshine yeah. back. I'm, I, I, I really enjoy this season. I mean, fall is really nostalgic for me. Um, I, I've, I like the changing uh, weather and the the falling leaves and the smell. And, and I used to love football a lot. Uh, I kind of dropped that, uh, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. I've been become less interested in sports, but you know, as a kid, uh, Thanksgiving meant we'd watch football. My dad, my grandpa's, you know, they, right. they'd like to watch football. So we'd, I remember, uh, John Madden's turducken. Remember yeah. The turducken. Oh yeah. It's this, He'd bring out, they'd have the game, and it's usually the Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys or somebody. Which are playing this year, too. And the Lions, of course, lose. That's in the script <laughs> yeah. for the Thanksgiving The uh, Lions game. lose all that. They haven't, I don't think they've made the playoffs in our lifetime. <laughs> I'm being serious. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, they're the Detroit Lions. Right. They're the ones the Cowboys beat on Thanksgiving. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Or would it be Cowboys and Redskins? Well, they, it's not the Redskins anymore. They changed their That's name right. to the but who to who the Commanders. Play, who the played, worst name was it? Was it the Cowboys playing the Lions? Who would play? It, yeah, it seems like the Cowboys have a monopoly on Thanksgiving Day games, and yeah, sometimes they'd play Washington. See, that would be a fun. It looks more, like they're playing the Bills this year. That's a more fun. That's a more fun rivalry, right? The Cowboys and the Indians. <laughs> But now we can't even say that. Who's playing the Bills this year? The ca- the Lions. Oh, are they? Who are the Cowboys playing? Here's this uh, sporting news. Why do the Cowboys and Lions always play on Thanksgiving? So it's the, it's not the Cowboys winning. Well, usually the Cowboys win, right? It depends. They usually win until it's the playoffs, then they lose. <laughs> <laughs> Going to make some people mad out there. It is America's team, after all. I, it, you guys can go look it up. I, <laughs> I can't remember. I don't care. I'm not going to try to be accurate on this one, but I'll, I'll post the link to Sporting News. They've got the Lions have played 82 consecutive Thanksgiving days and the Cowboys 43 consecutive Thanksgiving days. And wow. they play uh, such notorious teams as the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears. And the Arizona Cardinals are the thanks or this the St. Louis Cardinals and the Giants. And then <laughs> the other one on this list is the Washington football team. <laughs> yeah, which is now the they've now called themselves the Commanders, oh, which we is are, we are so pathetic. It's such a bad name. We are so pathetic in this. There's uh, so many better uh, if you're gonna for, if you're going to change the name, which I don't really think they should have. There's so many better. It's like the, the, the Cleveland Indians changed their name. The baseball team changed their name to the Cleveland Guardians. Again, just an awful name. So it looks like the Cowboys are going to play New York this year. So it wasn't... I, I'm, I'm remembering seeing a lot of games with Cowboys and Lions in them, but they, weren't, they were rarely playing. I don't think they ever play each other. Maybe you not. have to have two games, right? NFC, AFC, is that what it is? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. 
But uh, looks like you can also get New England and Minnesota playing on Thursday. Well, they've they've learned to capitalize on it and get more more eyeballs on the TV. Yeah. But well, uh, but that, that that used to be be a big thing, and uh, you know we turned off our about two thousand nine. We got rid of over the air television, and never really had cable television. And so I you know it's been a long time. For a while there, we had Amazon Prime until the January sixth debacle, and they they started doing uh, Thursday night games. You mean the insurrection? On Amazon? Huh? The insurrection? What are you talking about? You called it a debacle. Oh, the January sixth thing. You mean the the armed insurrection, right? When uh, space aliens invaded and took over the Capitol yeah. Plaza, and yeah. this is two twenty twenty. And and Trump said, "Kill them, kill, kill them, them all." One of my yes, I remember that. One of my favorite Thanksgiving memories was just after my LDS mission. Uh, we got together for a turkey bowl. And we went to one of the local high schools, and we had enough people to play like real football. Like 11 on 11. 11 on 11 with an offensive line, a defensive line on a 100-yard <laughs> high school field. And so we thought, well, let's play tackle. Wow. And that, that was a really bad decision. We had people playing in that game that were high, former high school and even some college players. <laughs> and I came home with a with a big black eye Uh one of our guys went not after the game he went to the hospital with a broken collarbone (laughs) we had we had a lot of i think i think someone broke their arm that day but it was so much fun (laughs) but we all came out of there like it was 11 on 11 then it was 10 on 11 then it was 10 on 10 then it was eight on eight and it was a terrible decision to play tackle football no pads None of us had pads, but it was a really fun game. That was one of the, we still, you know, the neighborhood still plays that turkey football, uh, turkey bowl on Thursday mornings. I think that's a great tradition to get the neighborhood together, get families together. guys pulling hamstrings. Yeah, you drive around on, on Thanksgiving morning and every spare field s- space has yeah. people playing football on. And I think that's great. I think it's a fun tradition. Work up an appetite. Yeah. We would definitely spend a lot of time at grandma's house, different, you know, different grandparents. In our, in our family, it got to be uh, pretty busy, though. We would have a Thanksgiving day. Cause my wife's family, they, they made this interesting decision. They just sort of punted on the whole who's going to hold Thanksgiving that year and who's going to come to your house. And my mother-in-law would hold it on a, the Friday or the Saturday or the Sunday afterwards. Mm-hmm. So we'd have two dinners. And in right. some cases we'd have relatives that were, were also on that same wavelength doing it on another day. So we'd end up having three dinners over the weekend, which is not necessarily <clears throat> bad. It's just kind of busy. It's I, a lot of work. Uh, I really like getting up like either Friday morning or Saturday morning, whatever, and pulling a pumpkin pie out of the fridge and eating it for breakfast right out of the tin. That's one of my favorite Thanksgiving traditions. <laughs> you, you like pumpkin pie? I like pumpkin pie. I am not a fan of pumpkin pie. I like most pie. I'm not a big fan of the fruit pies, like cherry pie, blueberry pie. I will eat apple pie. I, I like, like apple pie, pie crust. I think you should take that filling, make, make your pans bigger, take the same amount of filling, add more crust, and, and thin, it out, thin out the filling a little bit so you can get... A, a bigger bite of crust with every bite of filling. They, that yeah. would be pie heaven they've right got, there for me. They've got pies like that. 
You can get a pie like that. Yeah? Yeah. Where? I don't know. I've had, you know. Marie okay. Callender's. Marie Callender's. I'm yes. sure they're they, sold they out. The thick pies. <laughs> I'm saying it's instead of an inch, make it like half an inch. And but, make it but two, that's, two-thirds filling but, and one-third crust. Yeah, I, I could see that. But I think people like the filling. That's the whole point of... I don't. Especially I like... Mean, a, I like the filling. A, and I like the filling as a topping on my crust. <laughs> Do you take all of the toppings off your pizza and just eat the crust? No, but I'm the guy that I will eat the crust. Even the crust. Oh, that, I like you know, crust. Some people leave the crust. You yeah. Know? I think that's sort of a cardinal sin. You don't want to leave your crust. I, I think I you like... for that crust. I like turkey, but I think it's overrated. And I think it's also often overcooked. Oh, if you can get somebody that makes a good turkey... It's got to have, have good stuffing and gravy to go along Mrs. with it. Mrs. Jordan Bruno. Mrs. Bruno makes a good turkey. Yeah. Yeah, you got to keep them, you got to keep them, you can't dry them out. No, they got to be nice them. and tender. I'm trying to change the tradition here in my family that on Thanksgiving, instead of turkey, we'll have bis- brisket mm. or maybe top sirloin or mm. ribeye. Honey baked hams are good. Yeah, but you got to order those in June Yeah, if you order them from honey baked ham. You know... Which is a it's just a store. I'm liking this variety of meats idea. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be turkey. Brisket but... sounds good right now. Yeah, maybe we should just end the podcast. Maybe some wings. We could go head to the local barbecue place. Yeah, that would be good. I would not oppose that idea. Um, well, tell tell me some more of your Thanksgiving traditions. Well, pretty much like you've described, a lot of football, family, family. It's like what's isn't that some somebody somebody's motto or some country singer or something's <laughs> faith football family okay <laughs> see the guy that did the intro to monday night football let's see right now who's doing that all my rowdy friends are here for monday yeah night. you had you had hank williams jr for a That's long time yeah he might still be the guy i think for sunday night football they've got an aging faith hill still dressed and acting like she's 23 but really i like faith hill and i like tim mcgraw they're married to who each other. Oh, <laughs> I thought you just liked them because they were married. Well, Maybe I like they were traditional. They had a traditional family. Hey, I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. <laughs> but yeah, a lot, lot of a lot of similar traditions. You know, for a while there, uh, I would try to uh, avoid the Black Friday madness by going on a bike ride or going skiing, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I'm not a fan of that. I've got some family members that enjoy I'd like to try to go themselves to death in the crowd. I yeah, don't know what they're doing out there. I'd like to try to go hunting this year. So to replenish the the uh the pantry after the yeah, big depletion right. on well, Thanksgiving hey, Day. Hey every bit of meat that the pilgrims consumed was hunted on thing on that first Thanksgiving. Yeah. Whether they ate turkey or maybe maybe they ate deer, you know, some venison. Maybe they had uh, some fish, I'd mm-hmm. imagine. Maybe yeah. some small rodents like a rabbit. Probably a, maybe some wild boar. Who knows what they had. But we do know that they had corn. And they invited <laughs> the Indians. <laughs> and that ended, that ended all of the uh, conflict between Indians and white people forever. There was never hmm. again conflict. And they stopped socialism in its tracks. 
we, before we we got on a huge tangent here, you want to know another word for socialism, right? I know you do. Yeah. I mentioned this, but we got cut off, and that word is democracy. Right. And I'm gonna send. I'm gonna put out a link here to the founding fathers' comments on democracy. Here's just a quick one on uh, from John Adams. Remember, democracy never lasts long. It soon wastes, exhausts, and murders itself. There was never a democracy yet that did not commit suicide. Boy, that sounds eerily prophetic. We've been, right. uh, we've been told about the last hundred years that America is a democracy, not a republic, right? And, they've, and it has been shifted into a democracy with the, uh, the advent of the 17th Amendment, the popular election of senators. Right. That, that was part of it. Of course, the Federal Reserve Act, the oligarchy, the, the, the robber barons getting so much money that they were able to buy up all the, the media outlets and uh, the public school systems and the health establishment, essentially, and use that against us for the last hundred years. That's, it's been able to change uh, everybody's minds well, in a bad I, way. And now I'm being told that my tweets are, are killing democracy. Well, democracy never lasts long. It soon wastes and exhausts itself and murders itself, right? Right. <laughs> it's the, so democracy is not something we want to protect. The problem is that their solution is fasc- fascism rather than freedom. Well, freedom is a threat to democracy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. We can't have free-thinking people because you need the money to influence the votes so that we can vote for the oligarchy. Vote for our enslavement. Anyway, before we got cut off, I mentioned Stephen Pratt's Know Your Lectures, mm-hmm. Know Your Liberty Lectures series, and I, I hope you'll all take a look at that. I'm going to post a link to it on our uh, on our uh, podcast page today. He really was an excellent teacher, and I'm not going to get into all the stuff I did say, except that one of the one of these incredible moments that he had in his. Uh, st- studies was when he had the BYU Special Collections order in the um, Army's uh, serviceman's handbook from the early 1900s, where they talk about how um, America is a republic and how democracies are so bad. And then he juxtaposed that against the modern handbook, where it says that America is a democracy. I think the and modern how, handbook says that America is a menace. <laughs> the modern military handbook. Yeah, yeah. Who knows what it is? Um, we need the the, Mer- the modern that says America is a menace to society I I, and must be destroyed from within. <laughs> you and you will be good soldier. Are tasked with destroying this great once great nation from inside. Yeah. It's interesting. Stephen Pratt had a, has a great bit on that where he explains how he found this primary source demonstrating how the attitudes have changed. And we, we definitely have changed and, and our uh, conce- conception of and our understanding of uh, our heritage is dramatically far afield from the actual reality, I think. And um, I think it's good to, to remember, to look back on what we have been, what we are, or what we're supposed to be. Right. And I'm I'm looking forward to this holiday season. I'm looking forward to sitting down and listening to the Kurt Bester Christmas album and <laughs> and uh probably not on Thanksgiving, but sitting down and I don't know if I'll be watching any football, but I'll definitely be uh having some of that turkey. 
The turducken. I'm okay with the turkey. We never do the duck. The chicken inside the duck, inside the turkey. Yeah. We never do that. I've never had duck. Oh, duck's a little more rich feeling. A little greasy. Tasting. Yeah. You ever, you ever, you've never had a duck egg? <clears throat> no. Super rich. Yeah. I've had, a cat, like, I've had one of those Cadbury eggs. Oh, really? You fry it up? Was it over easy? What was it? I just How'd take it, it out of the package and eat it. Oh, raw. And then you, you feel... Eat the ca- you eat it raw. Well, the Cadbury eggs, yeah. Bobby eat. Flood eats raw eggs. Raw Cadbury eggs. You keep saying the word Cadbury. Right. <laughs> okay. Am I missing something? Do you know what a Cadbury egg is? Of course I know what a Cadbury egg is. Well, then you know that you don't cook those. I was trying to be funny. <laughs> you know how sticky... I, I'll just admit... You know how sticky you'd get the frying I'll, pan? I'll, I'd just, I'll admit it. I was trying to be funny. You, you called my bluff there. Uh, no, you got me. It, it, no, I went along with you it. won this round, but I'll be back. Last Christmas, I gave you the shot. And the very next day, you collapsed on the floor. <laughs> on that <laughs> That's note, all I got. I got, a, I got a whole, I got a couple more weeks I can, I can work you on can that. work on the, the Dr. Fauci sings the, the hits from Christmas, <laughs> the Christmas hits. Well, everybody, we appreciate you. We wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. I wish you a contemplative, positive, resonant Thanksgiving. I hope that you can really tap into the the energy of who you are and how thankful you really ought to be. We all ought to be incredibly thankful. We've been dramatically blessed as Americans, dramatically blessed to understand the things we we do. If you're listening to this podcast, your eyes may be opened <laughs> at least to a certain level. You ought to be thankful for that. I Either am. that or you're listening because you work at the NSA. If you're if you're listening and you're an enemy to liberty, so be it. <laughs> All right, everybody, we will see you again next week. May Have your a- chains rest lightly upon your wrists and may history forget that we are every countryman. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Have a great week. <laughs> And we will talk to you again very soon. Happy Happy Thanksgiving. We're the Mind Virus Show. We are out.